Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Some years ago, one of our summer discussion books here at United Church was Mitch Albom's book, The Five People You Meet in Heaven. This September, as previously announced, we will be discussing together a second Mitch Album book entitled The Next Person You Meet in Heaven. Both books are, yes, fiction, but part of the power of these books is to get us to imagine just who we might bump into when we arrive in heaven. For we have some guesses, to be sure, but we also have some knowns. For we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament that there are many saints of our faith who one day we will bump into when we arrive in heaven. The list includes Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joshua and many others. But there is also a surprise on this list of saints in Hebrews chapter 11. Scripture tells us that we are going to meet in heaven a woman whose profession just makes us wide-eyed. Yes, indeed, when we all arrive in heaven as God's people, we will meet Rahab the prostitute. Walk back with me into the story of the saint of our faith who used to work in the red light district of Jericho. You'll remember the story. Once upon a time, God called Joshua to enter into the promised land. And as part of Joshua's entry into the promised land, Joshua sent out two spies in advance in order to spy on the city of Jericho. We're told that these two men went to the place in Jericho where you would get all the real gossip and scoop. They went, yes, to Rahab's brothel. And we are told that the king of Jericho knew that these two men were there and sent out his military to make sure that they could find these two men to rid them of their presence in Jericho. Well, when the king's military showed up at Rahab's home, or place of work, should I say, we're told that Rahab had listened to these two spies. For the spies had told them their testimony, the story of God delivering God's people through the wilderness and through Egypt to this point in God's story of redeeming God's people. Rahab conveyed back to them that their God surely was a real and true God, said your God is the God of heaven and the God of earth. And Rahab, despite her occupation, decided to be courageous in her faith and hid those spies. Successful in her hiding of the spies, you might say the rest is history. 
The spies were protected, went back and shared with Joshua what was going on in Jericho. And Rahab and her family were protected as well as part of their conversation or deal that we hear about in Joshua chapter 2. That's right. God, in all of God's glory, selected Rahab to orchestrate God's plan. Friends, the most important spiritual lesson that I learned from the story of Rahab as it relates to our collective calling is that God does have a history of calling God's people beyond their past in order to courageously empower them to become people of faith in the future. This is true for Rahab, yes, but true also throughout the scripture, both Old Testament and New. For example, you recall that just prior to God calling Moses, Moses murdered an Egyptian. Moses was a murderer, and God called Moses beyond his past. We're told as part of King David's story that David was an adulterer, and God called King David beyond that. We turn to the New Testament and we're reminded that the Apostle Paul once persecuted people of the Christian faith. God called the Apostle Paul beyond that past, so much so that Paul now accounts for a significant percentage of our scripture in the New Testament that he himself wrote. Peter, in the New Testament, denied Christ three times, and then even after that, God called Peter beyond his past experiences. For Old Testament and New, including, yes, the storied Rahab, indeed, God will often God call God's people beyond their past to future faithfulness. This, I believe, is good news. It is good news because if God has called Rahab beyond her past, God, too, is in the business of calling all of us beyond ours. This is not to somehow hint at the fact that any one of our resumes looks quite as distinguished as Rahab's. But I will say that it does give me an encouraging attitude toward my call and all of our collective calls to remember that Rahab went on to be a saint of the faith. For really and truly, when it comes to our past, our past can be very hard to relinquish. Remember the great line from the movie Magnolia. Remember that line? The line was, you can let go of your past but your past rarely ever lets go of you. For our past can keep us rather stuck. And when we are stuck in our past, we often experience what psychologists refer to as the trapping emotions, guilt, shame, and regret. I hate to psychologize this text in Joshua chapter two, but I do wonder when God spoke God's word and convicted Rahab to go through and do this and hide the spies, I do wonder if Rahab in her mind ever thought for just a moment, God, me, really? God, do you know my resume? God, do you know my past? Of all the people you could choose to take this courageous action and hide the spies, you've chosen me? And the truth of the matter is that God did. 
When God went to select the person to take this courageous action so that God's people could move forth into the promised land, God chose, yes, Rahab. I learned something interesting about Rahab this summer that I never knew before, and perhaps it'll be interesting for you also. Earlier this summer, many of us read a book together by John Ortberg entitled, Who Is This Man? And the book detailed a little bit about the ways Jesus, uh, throughout history, went on to advance many different areas of our culture, including the area of women becoming empowered uh, more thanks to what Jesus did during his time on earth. And in that chapter of the book about women, Ortberg is quick to point out, and perhaps this is rather appropriate trivia for Labor Day weekend, that in Hebrews chapter 11, from which I just read a few moments ago, where there is a list of the saints of our faith, sometimes scholars refer to this as the Hall of Fame of our faith, or the Cooperstown of our faith, there is only one saint of our faith on that list in Hebrews chapter 11, where the saint's profession is listed. And it is Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute, we're told in Hebrews 11.31, courageously hid the spies and went on to become a saint. Why is that the case? I researched this a little bit, and most scholars actually agree that the reason why the author of the book of Hebrews listed Rahab's profession in that text is to perhaps to remind all of us who came after Rahab of God's business, of calling people beyond their past life, or prior life, or prior experiences, or prior whatever it is, to go on and do faithful things. I want you to consider this morning a little bit about where you have been hearing God's voice of late. And I also want you to consider where you may be hearing the voice of those trapping emotions, guilt, shame, and regret. Well, I would go through this, but if it wasn't for that mistake I once made, or I have this coulda, woulda, shoulda, or I remember this from this previous era of my life, and if it just hadn't have happened, I'd be able to go forth. Or there was this moment that I made a mistake or, or a time where I just wish I had gone in a different direction or made a different decision and it's just keeping me stuck in the moment and I just can't quite seem to move forth beyond that. If you have one of those trapping emotions this morning of guilt, shame, and regret as it relates to your ability to move forth, I hope you will hear the voice of God as it came to Rahab, go forth. I want to call you beyond your past. I mean, really and truly, what if the past is more interesting to us and more of a focus to us than it is to God? For in selecting a person to orchestrate God's plan, God chose, yes, Rahab. Let me give you an analogy to perhaps illustrate this that might make sense. I remember last January, we had a wonderful speaker come in to talk to us a little bit about American history uh, here at United Church, Tom Eastwood. You remember Tom Eastwood's lectures uh, last January? One of the topics that Tom Eastwood lectured on was the topic of presidential assassinations over the years. 
and I was absolutely enamored by his presentation on President Garfield, who was assassinated. For I learned something about Garfield that I never knew before uh, attending the Eastwood lecture. Eastwood reminded uh, the group that President Garfield did not die of the bullet. But shortly after being shot, President Garfield picked at his wound, and many of the doctors and nurses picked at his wound, and President Garfield died of the infection. And really, when it comes to God's call and our ability to answer that call and overcome the past, I do often wonder how often we die to that call, not because of the bullet, but because of our self-inflicted wounds, because of the infection. We may be all caught up about what has gone on in the past, but part of what I learned from our scripture passage today is that God he seems to be caught up in what Rahab will go on to do for God and for God's plans. Really what it boils down to is, what kind of God do you believe in? A God of grace who will call you beyond that past, or a God who will keep you stuck in that past? I remember a wonderful uh, piece from a book by Philip Yancey. And the piece was about a story that Yancey told about a Catholic priest over in England. And this Catholic priest over in England had over 30 years of experience in the confessional booth. And David Ford, a wonderful scholar at Cambridge over in England, uh, one day interviewed this Catholic priest about the practice of confession. And one of the questions that David Ford had of the gray-haired priest was, in all of your years sitting behind the confessional booth and hearing confession from God's people, what is the absolute worst thing out there? Is it greed? Is it pride? Is it drugs, alcohol, lust? What is the worst thing out there that you are hearing? And the Catholic priest thought about it for a moment, and he was at lunch, and he began to just chew a little bit more on his sandwich, and he thought about it, and he thought about it, and he shared back with David Ford an unexpected answer. He said, I tell you what, if I had to share back with you the greatest problem that I see out there, amongst God's people. It's that they come into the confessional booth and they believe that God is a God of vengeance who could never show them grace. And it's as though they come into the confessional booth and they believe that God is playing a game of gotcha with them. And that God up in heaven is kind of like a cosmic Santa Claus just reviewing whether or not they have been naughty or nice. And never do they see, at times, the grace of God that they may need to see. If that is how you imagine God, as a cosmic Santa Claus up in heaven, playing a game of gotcha, judging you as to whether or not you have been naughty or nice today, might I suggest that you've got God wrong? For part of what we remember today, is that we have come to worship the God of, yes, Rahab. The God who extended extraordinary grace to this person of quite a profession so that she might go on not only to be heroic in her faith on earth, but would go on to be at God's right side in heaven forever and ever. 
You know, just this week, I really got challenged on my perception and imagination of God. I'll share with you what happened. It was Thursday morning of this week, and I was preparing for this sermon, typing it out, and trying to figure out what exactly I would say about Rahab, and I booted my computer down for lunch and walked across the street to where I live in the parsonage, and on my walk across the street, I bumped in uh, to someone in the parking lot who wanted to ask me a little bit about a recent news story about the uh, president of an evangelical university who got caught doing some things that, if true, he certainly should not have done. And I was asked, so what do you think about that guy? And at the tip of my tongue, I was just ready to say, this is exactly what I think about this guy. For if what he did was true, then it was just hypocrisy times 10. But then I remembered the sermon that I was just working on. And I said to myself, you know, if his God is Rahab's God, then I have to believe, I must believe that grace will come, a second chance will be imparted, and maybe, just maybe, he will go on to courageous acts of faith, and I will meet him too in heaven. But I got to tell you, it was tough for me to get there. Or let me put it another way. Many of you know that yesterday, the news media has been entitling the vote parades for both presidential candidates as the uh, partisan parades of the Gulf of Mexico. Some of you may have participated in the vote parades yesterday, and I hear there were many votes out in the Gulf, uh, some who were supporting Biden and others who were supporting Trump. And there may have been as many as 7,000 people participating in these parades yesterday. Well, last night I read a story about the boat parades that was uh, humorous, but perhaps telling. It just so happened that just off of Sanibel Island around the Fort Myers Beach area, there was someone participating in the parade and their boat got stuck on a sandbar. Well, just behind this boat on a sandbar came another boat flying flags of the opposite party. And the boat that was flying flags of the opposite party said, you know what, I really should do the right thing. And the couple put down their anchor, walked onto the sandbar, and pushed the other boat off. And just for a quick moment, both couples thanked each other. And I got to thinking about that. If that were me, and I was stuck on a sandbar, or stuck on anything related to my past. And God knew what my affiliation to that past was. What would God's action be? Would God have just kept on driving the boat? Or would God have come out and helped me and rescued me and said, go forth, sail forth? I'd like to believe in the latter. That God, even knowing my past, would be willing to unglue me from whatever it is that is making me stuck about my past. So that I could go forth and answer that call faithfully. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church in Rome, Romans 5.20. The Apostle Paul says, where sin increases... Grace increases all the more. That is the scripture that is behind our closing hymn today. That in just a few moments, we will all sing. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace is bigger and better 
than all our sin. But before we stand together and sing that closing hymn and remember God's big grace, I thought I would share with you one more comment about Rahab that I think speaks a lot, not only about Rahab, but about who God is. Because I've said in this sermon today some rather scandalous things about the good news of God's grace. So I thought what I would do to end it is to just kind of take all emotion and subjectivity out of this and just go to the science. Ask the science, what is it about God's nature that is grace-filled or not? And part of what I would share back with you scientifically is that if we really want to know the goodness and scandal of God's grace, then we simply ought to go back and look at Jesus' DNA. For DNA does tell us a lot about us. Many of us recently have been on websites such as Ancestry.com and we learn a little bit about our DNA. And through that DNA, we know some truths about ourselves. We also know that when we research our DNA, sometimes there are some black sheep, if you will, in uh, the family system. Uh, there is a, uh, a website out there uh, called blacksheeproots.com where you can take a look at who you might be related to in your family who was perhaps uh, someone that you wouldn't want to know that you were actually uh, related to. And part of what we find out about Jesus himself is that in Jesus's family tree, in Jesus's DNA, we see something very scandalous. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 5, we're told that within Jesus's DNA, Jesus came from the bloodline of Rahab. That's right. Quite literally, Rahab's blood was in Jesus' blood. What does this story tell us about Rahab? Rahab was courageous in her faith. And I don't want to take anything away from Rahab this morning. For really and truly, she is a saint of our faith with great courage. But I think the even better question that we might ask is this. What does the story of Rahab being called by God beyond her past, what does that story tell us about God and God's grace? My response to you, everything. Amen. Please stand.